welcome to the Good Question with Jessica Tanderup podcast. I'm Jessica, and I have a passion for asking hard questions and going deep in conversation. Usually, these discussions happen over dinner or coffee with a close friend. But on this podcast, I bring them to you because I want you to know if you have questions, you're not alone. On this show, I invite apostolic leaders, thinkers, and fellow believers to tackle the tough topics questioners face as we strive to live out our biblical mandate to love God, love people, and take the gospel to the whole world here in the 21st century. I hope you'll stick around because when you know Jesus is the answer, every question can be a good question. Hi there, friends. Welcome to another exciting episode in our season two missions-focused season of Good Question. I am so excited to have you here with me today. I hope you have been enjoying these past episodes. They have been such a joy to record, and I am so excited about bringing them to you. As always, if you have any thoughts, any things that the Lord has spoken to you as you've listened to these episodes, I hope you will come share them with us on social media. We give you all of our social media handles everywhere you can find us online in our show notes. And at the end of the episode, we will list those out for you as we always do. I hope you'll come talk to us about what the Lord is saying to you as you listen to this missions season. Today, I am so excited to bring you a conversation with Celinda Nickel. Celinda grew up as a missionary kid in the Caribbean. And then as an adult, she took the need that she saw to minister to missionary kids and used it to help found the Missionary Kids or MK Ministries of the United Pentecostal Church. We talk a lot about what MK Ministries is doing to help missionary kids stay connected to the body of Christ and to one another. And then Celinda went on to become a part of CSI, that is Compassion Services International, another branch of UPCI Global Missions team. We talk about the work that she's doing there now, how we can get involved, and just so much wisdom, so much insight that her life experience has given her. If you are a person who feels called to missions, but you're concerned about what it means for your kids, if you're a person who wants to get involved in missions, but you're not really clear on what to do or how to go about that, and becoming a missionary and moving overseas doesn't seem to be quite the right fit. We talk about all kinds of options for you. There's so much in this episode. I am so excited to share it with you. Let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Celinda Nickel. Celinda Nickel, it is such a pleasure to have you today on the Good Question Podcast. Oh, well, I am so delighted to be here. It's my honor. We got to meet recently um, in the fall of 2021. And you're someone that um, I've heard about from my sister, from my mom for years. And so it was such a pleasure to finally get to meet you. And we thought you'd be a great person to come and talk to us here in our season two, where we're talking about missions, because a lot of the work that you have done has been around missions and missionary kids. And so we wanted to get your perspective on that. But before we jump into all of that, I would just love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. It's just an honor. And I love your family. And just consider them to be just top shelf people. So it's truly a pleasure. Um, my parents are Lloyd and Nancy Shirley. They were appointed as missionaries, I believe, in 1972 or 74. 
And I left to go. We lived in the Caribbean, which is, you know, super hard missions assignment. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the top. You're like, yes, we won. We won the lottery. But um, left Minnesota. And I went when I was, they were appointed when I was four. I went when I was five. And so most of my growing up years were in the islands of the Caribbean. And we did different islands just depending upon what season it was. In the summer, we would go do Bible schools in other islands. And then we based out of St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And then I went to, I came to America to go to college. I went to three different Bible schools. I had issues as far as <laughs> settling and picking out what I wanted to do. But um I went to a travel agency school, and that was actually in the islands. I felt one year to stay home from school. At that time, I think it was like in Texas Bible College. And during that time when I stayed home, our island actually sustained a horrific hurricane, and my parents lost their home. And I knew afterwards that the Lord had kept me there and paused me to be you know, with my parents and help them keep safe. But anyway, during that time period... I went to travel agency school. So I became a travel agent and that is what I did for my regular unleaded job until I started working with MK Ministries. So I graduated from Bible college. I moved to Arkansas. This is a very long story, but I'm trying to make it as short as possible. (laughs) And at that time, I was 27, 28. I met my husband um, online and I would not recommend it to anybody to just go meet people willy-nilly online. But it... (laughs) It was like my pastor knew his pastor and it was in a, you know, it was like in a private Pentecostal chat room. Anyway, so then I moved to North Carolina and um, the Lord just transitioned me to work with MK Ministries at that time. And we have two amazing daughters. One just got married this fall and um, they both have a passion for missions as well. They're one graduated already from Urson and one will graduate this spring. So we're just blessed. We're now in Cabot, Arkansas. Um, We serve in the pastoral team at Tim Gaddy Church and just so honored to, you know, to really live our life fully for God. And I think that's the highest thing that you can ever ask for is to be used of God. So anyway, that's a little bit about my background in a nutshell. So I think that's what kind of gave me the passion to get involved with missionary because it's because my parents, you know, that's all I ever knew. Yeah. Um, And that's what I was raised at. You know, every four years you come back to America, you have a transition year, you go back to your field. And just kind of the struggles that I saw a lot of MKs going through. Um, I remember being at a MK retreat or excuse me, a missions retreat. And at that time, it was like a sub-regional retreat where the people from your region would come to it. And a lot of the, the MKs from our region were having major issues. Like some of them were involved in gangs. Some of them mm. were not really living for the Lord. And I remember talking to um, Sister Rodenbush. She was one of the speakers at that. At that time, they were working in the Department of Education at Global Missions. And we were on the rooftop in a hotel in Puerto Rico. And I said, you know, there's got to be more for missionary kids than just this newsletter. And at that time, Sister Sism, um, the first Sister Sism, did an amazing newsletter And it was great, but that was all that was done for missionary kids. And she said, well, it sounds to me like if the Lord is putting that burden on you, that you need to do that. And so I talked to my regional director at the time, and he was like, well, he had no children, by the by. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, that's why God gave them parents and they can handle it. And I was like, well, so I wrote Brother Sism letters that summer. 
so many letters that I think I was just becoming a pest to him. But he said, if you really have a burden for this, why don't you start coming and helping with school admissions? So that was when I was 20 years old, I started helping with school admissions and I helped until I resigned from MK Ministries, which was when I was like 51. So 31 years later, you know, it just didn't get out of my blood. It was just something that I felt, I guess, compelled to the Lord to do. So yeah. I just felt it was very, very critical that we just give our best for missionary kids. It's like they don't ha- they didn't have their own natural youth group or Sunday school or things like that. So I just felt compelled to help them. Yeah, it's it's got to be a lot of pressure. Yes. Yeah. I think I think the thing of it is is that most people don't realize that a missionary kid is a third culture kid, and so they don't mm. really fit in in their passport country, and they don't really fit in in their country of their calling. And so they're kind of a subculture. And for that reason, when missionary kids get together, if they've met before or not, it doesn't matter. They immediately click and they just have a love connection with each other because it's like they're home. When they're with each other, they're home. Hmm. And so we wanted to provide more, I guess, to be more intentional about providing a ministry for them and real life occasions for them to be together and to try to host them as a group when they had occasions that they could go to, you know, youth congress or camps or things like that just to be there for them. So that's kind of the beginning, I think, of my partnership with MK Ministries at that time. It was an association. It was called the MK Association. And I met with Brother Howell and I just said, I really feel like it needs to be a ministry. It doesn't need to be just a fraternity or sorority of MKs, but it needs to be an active ministry. And so for one year, I worked to try to raise funding for it. And then I launched out to be the office manager and then the assistant coordinator over the ministry. So I was the full-time employee of MK Ministries for about 10 years, 10 and a half, 11 years. So it was just, it was amazing. So what does that ministry look like now? It is actually, I think it's getting better and better the it's based on a team concept and so if you think about NAYC or you think about any kind of event based um, we have an MK retreat every other year that is something that they provide like I was mentioning before that youth group or the camaraderie of MKs that come together so from the age of like 13 until hyphen they become your youth group and Mm -hmm. If there's any issues in the field, we provide counselors, we fly to situations. We've had mm. missionary kids that have gone through loss in the field, lost their parents. We've flown there, gone through sickness with them, gone to weddings in America because you think about it, they're raised overseas. And so who is sitting on their side when they get married? Mm. Not a whole lot because their family is overseas. And so we try to attend all of the, we want to celebrate with them and we want to mourn with them. So we're at their funerals and we're at their weddings and we're there for as many births as we can be and Mm -hmm. just try to be that family and just encircle them with love and ministry and just true care. And I think that, you know, back in the day, I'm 53. And so a lot of MKs my age didn't stay in the church. They didn't feel that encircling. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're doing a a lot better job now as far as being there for them. And I think social media helps with that, you know, just the availability of reaching out to people and, you know, being there no matter where they are in the world, you can still meet with them now with a Zoom call and and be there. So yeah, it's it's been, my part of it was just an incredibly 
amazing time beyond anything I could have imagined, but I did not want to leave it. And so I feel like the Lord was asking me to transition out of it, but my flesh did not want to just because I kept Mm. seeing the need. And so he very, (laughs) he very much got my attention by, um, a transition medically that happened in my life. And during that time period, I knew that that was playing out what I need to be doing, that I had to transition that I wasn't ready to. So after I had a brain aneurysm, I was ready to just say, God, whatever you're, you kept me alive. So whatever you want me to do in my life, I'm willing to do that. Mm. I think one of the most critical things that the North American church can do for our missionary kids is just to be there for them, to stay connected, to love them, and provide lifelines if they come to your church on deputation to include them in any other outing, just as you would any other youth or kid. Not mm. in a creepy way, like, you know, <laughs> just you and the kid, but um, just making sure that they have fun and that they know that they're loved and supported and that your church is a safe haven for them. We do have churches that are safe havens for MKs and that's, they've had training and they know how to deal with a third culture kid. And so, you know, sometimes there's places that uh, missionaries will come back and they're like, I don't feel like my MK is connecting. And then they can be connected to one of those churches. And um, I feel like that's made a difference as well. We have an MK that he's had siblings that have not stayed in the church because of that lack of connectivity, but he has stayed because he feels connected. So I just feel like that's a win for the body of Christ, that the church comes comes alongside the missionary and, and they're out of the church, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things that, I don't know, it's it's so obvious when you start explaining it, but it's something that I think a lot of people just don't think about. Mm-hmm. The fact that they wouldn't really fit anywhere right. fully. And even you talking about your experience and talking about going home, like your home Uh was the Caribbean. Your home was where you grew up. It was not the U.S., which is where you were from and where, you know, your parents were from. But your Uh home is truly somewhere else. And we talked about that a little bit with with Brother Kelly from Scotland talking about their retirement years and how he was saying, you know, as long as the Lord allows them to do so, they, they plan to retire there in Scotland and stay there in Scotland because that's where they've lived for right. longer than they lived in the U.S. at this point, And that is their home. And so it, it, I can only imagine that it must just be such a startling experience to be a young adult who's grown up as a missionary kid who then you're kind of thrust into the U.S. and have to make your way having those connections must really make all the difference. Yes. And I think that, you know, there's just silly little things. I've had calls from MKs that are at college and they're like, they don't know how to pump their own gas or Mm. they don't know how to use their debit card or they don't know what the color is all the same. The money is the same color. So they're like, what do I, what is it? And so you're like, well, look at the top right corner. It's going to tell you how much it is. And just things that we take for granted. But when you've been raised overseas, that's not how you operate. And um, I think a lot of it is just being that voice in that phone call. When I worked with the MKs, it was so funny because they all could sing my number because that's how I taught my girls my phone number. So if you would meet any MK, they're like, what's Celinda's number? And they would sing it to you. So after my aneurysm, it was so funny because I was like, I remembered my phone number by singing it to myself. You know, it's like <laughs> the things that I trained other people. And it's like, yes, you are my friend. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's just really about the church being the church. And I think so many more would want to help, but they just don't know how. And 
I thank you for really bringing up this conversation today because I think this is going to open up the eyes of people when they have missionaries coming through on deputation and they have, you know, camp time and there's missionary kids that are there in their district. Well, yeah, I'm sure they would love to go to camp, but they don't know people. Mm. They don't have a sleeping bag. They don't have towels. They don't have anything. And so providing them not only with those essentials materialistically, but then also, you know, surrounding them with friends, that makes a difference. Yeah. So it's kind of like reaching out and creating a web to capture them and bring them closer to the body of Christ. Yeah. It only makes sense. So you're talking a lot about, you said you mentioned like age 13 through hyphen and becoming the youth group. Do you do anything for younger kids than that? Or does it Yes. So it starts at birth and they get actually missionaries get when they have a a new MK, we send them a letter of congratulations and a little gift. And then they start doing age appropriate gifts for their birthdays. Um, And then they do new. I'm not sure now if they're doing this, but when I worked with them, you know, that was now four years ago, they would get they had newsletters. We have Facebook pages, uh, video lessons like Sunday school lessons, because you can imagine if you're in another country they don't have Sunday school in your language. And Mm. so we provided Sunday school for them. I know that this past year during the lockdown, they had Zoom calls to the MKs in different regions would get together that way. And so just providing anything that we can. And then there's also the whole other aspect of, I need help with my MK with schooling. I need help with my MK because they're special needs. I need help Mm. with counseling. And so just kind of becoming a resource for the parents as well and coming alongside the parents so that they can have a healthy transition. They can have a healthy life on the field or in their uh, passport country. So there's a lot of things like that that we provide. Again, counselors, we've flown out counselors to different situations. We have brought certain MKs, obviously 16 and older, back into America for counseling. Just different things. Just think of it as having, I guess, like a children's pastor or a a youth pastor for our MKs, and that's what MK Ministries provides. And then also a resource for the parents, because there's a lot of questions a new missionary would have going in the field, and just being that ear of, you know, this is totally normal. Everybody hates the field when they first get there. Give them a week or two. You're not the bad guy. Just so being a resource to talk to missionaries as well and talk to them and help them. Yeah. As a mom of little kids, and we're getting ready to head out, you know, into a foreign country with small children. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I'm relieved to know <laughs> that there's something um, out there as a resource for us, for them. And right. I'm just thinking about, you know, you mentioned that the gentleman who didn't have children saying, oh, well, that's what their parents are for. As a parent, like that makes me feel terrified <laughs> right. because there's so many things about going to to the mission field that is already that's already scary to me. Mm-hmm. And that the Lord has had to help me work through as we've made these plans to go over the past, you know, several years since we first felt the burden. Right. And the top thing for me, the very top thing, the biggest concern for me has been how it will affect my kids. And yeah, just how just how to do that well with children. Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever my husband first started feeling the burden to go, my oldest daughter was two or three, somewhere around in there. And I was thinking like, Lord, if we were, you know, if we didn't have kids, I would be on top of this like yesterday. But this it's really puts a some trepidation there that you're taking care of your kids and that you're making sure that they're okay. And so 
it's such a it's such a blessing and a relief to think about the fact that there are people coming around to support and to provide, like you said, a network. Right. And it's so encouraging to hear about, you know, counseling and practical help for for them as they get older, like all of those things. I just again, it sounds so obvious, but if you don't think about it, you might not ever realize. Well, and I think, too, you know, a lot of things are practical, but yet thinking of the extreme and providing cushioning so that that doesn't happen. You know, it's kind of like how when you order a dresser for a children or a chest for a children's room, they provide now that these brackets that you can screw them in the wall Mm. because kids have had dressers or chests fall on them and they can't get up. And so you look at it and you're like, that's really extreme. But if you're in that situation, it's not extreme. And Mm. so one of the things that I used to just teach missionaries is tell your kids that they're, you know, the swimsuit area is their privacy and to talk to their parents, to tell their kids that if anybody at all other than their parents is picking them up from any location, they need to have the password. And the password for our family is blank, whatever it is. Mm. So just having things in place, just wise things, trying to think outside of the box and set up wide parameters so that you can add a safety net. Um, Because the enemy, obviously, he's not going to come and bring temptation to you once you go on the field and say, hey, you need to start doing ABC because you're not going to do that. But if he can cause distress and he can cause any kind of pain or torment through your family, that's an area where he will try to do that. And so I think just using wisdom and trying to add as many tools as we can into our toolbox to prevent those things, you know, having them memorize a phone number in America that if anything happens that they can call. I know that was my big thing when I was a little kid that I needed to know if my parents both died. I lived in an island and I always wanted to know, and this is so morbid, you know, here I was, like, <laughs> this little girl, but um, I wanted to know if my parents both died in the island that I could get off and that I could get to my grandparents. Mm. And so I remember my parents would always say to me, that's not going to happen. You're fine. And they just wanted to shut it down. But until I learned that number and my mom actually made a card and she had it there that I could go to as a resource for me. And then I never needed it, but I just wanted to know. And I think sometimes those little things, they're just little safety things that you can add into kids' life and America as well, but they're not going to necessarily need it, but you have it there just in case. Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny that we're having this conversation because the Lord is dealing with me last week during prayer time that I needed to just stop and write a book about all the things. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Thank you, though. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, now that I'm talking to you, I'm like, oh, conviction. And the Lord is like, "Uh uh-huh, I told you. But there's there are so many things, you know, just little things. And I guess if 30 two years, 33 years of just every time I put M in my phone, K comes up automatically because that's where my passion has been. Those are just the things that you just kind of collect and gather in your mind. And so I probably do need to do that. I need to get all that out. But anyway, so thank you for convicting me on your podcast. I'm going (laughs) to hang up now. (laughs) I'm I'm going to tell you uh, what someone said to me recently. I'm sorry, but I'm actually not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh, man. Well, something that you said, like I said, we met recently and I heard, was able to hear you speak and you told a story. I don't, I don't necessarily need you to go into the whole story, but you said something there that really um, spoke to me as a mom who has 
felt, you know, like I said, some trepidation about taking my kids to the to the field. You were telling the story about a young person who was not happy with the place where that God had called their family and you gave them some encouragement. And I don't know, if, but I'd love for you to share that encouragement for kids or for parents of kids, because I feel like it, it spoke to me and I think it would speak to someone else as well. Yeah, so one of the things I've always tried to, when I have conversations with missionary kids, is to let them know that God doesn't call parents, He calls families. And when He calls a family, He looks at every member of that family, and He wants to use all of them as a team. And so it could be that the reason why the doors have opened for your parents to be in XYZ country is because you're a part of that family. And it could be that you're going to be able to open up doors and to have input and ways of ministering that your parents can never have that happen to. And I just feel like them knowing that from the very beginning, that they're so vital and so important, that this is a unit, this is a calling of God for all of us, and that I have a part in this. It just kind of, it's not like they're being dragged to that field, but it's like the Lord and His mighty plan just looks down and he calls families. Um, And I've seen it play out over and over where the parents could not get a dent in the work, but the kid just had a way of just getting in and the connectivity and what the Lord did through it. I remember a family that was called to a nation that was an access challenge nation and their daughter at that time was three and the grandparents were very resistant to the call. And they're like, we really don't feel like that. You can stay here. And the parents had gone out and left their daughter with the grandparent and the daughter granddaughter went in and she got a towel out and she was praying and interceding for her nation. And one of the things as a wee child, one of the things she was saying when she was praying and crying was, God, let my grandma see that we have got to go to our people. Our people are waiting for us. Our people need us. And when uh, just, I'm getting emotional Mm. just telling it, but when the parents came back to collect her, they said, you have got to go. This nation, this is not just you all just feeling this. This is a child feeling that burden for God. And looking at their life, I can tell you that there's so many doors their daughter opened because of her sensitivity to the Lord that the parents had no idea what was going on. One of the their guards actually in their apartment complex, she looked at and she said, at Christmas, she said, I brought you a gift. We made you some sweet bread because my Jesus loves you. And he came to this earth and was born in a manger for you. And he died for you. And that man that was not a believer started crying and he could feel the presence of God. And he ended up coming to church because of the witness of a child. And so Mm -hmm. that's why it's so important for them to realize it's not just about one. It's not just the dad dragging everybody. It's not just the mom, but it's a unit. And that each of them play a substantial part in changing that nation for the Lord. And it's just, it's beautiful when they understand that. Yeah. It spoke to me so much when you said that and it kind of confirmed for me what my husband and I have already been saying the first time that, well, I guess the only time that we've been to Denmark, we went there kind of looking for direction, like, God, what are we supposed to do? And my husband was very certain already that we were called to go. And I was still very hesitant. And while we were, and and like I said, my, my top hesitation was because of our daughter. Uh And while we were there, just the Lord kept confirming to me over and over again, like one, she's going to be fine. And two, 
she's going to be able to reach a lot of people that we're not going to be able to reach. Right. Just based on knowing our own personalities, right? So my husband and I are both introverts. We're not super social (laughs) people. Mm -hmm. And so the thought that like, God, you're calling us to go there and make connections with people and, you know, try to build relationships where we can share the gospel with them. Like that's daunting for us because that's, that's outside of our comfort zone in a lot of ways. Right. Um, But my two little extroverted girls uh, have never met a stranger. And I'm just thinking like, Lord, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with them. And we had already, we had already discussed like, Lord, maybe the whole reason why this has happened is to get them into the country. And so when I heard you, heard you say that, yeah, it just was a confirmation for me. And so I know that there are other, there are other moms out there that, that feel the same way that, that feel a fear that we're, we're pushing uh, our calling onto our kids. And right. And I think that's an attack of the enemy because really, I feel like ministers' wives feel that they feel that way in America as well. You know, like, oh, we have our kids too involved in church. They're always at the church. They're always, what what better of a place for them to be at than the house of God? I mean, I, I think that anything that the enemy can guilt us into, we are just so susceptible that, you know, we want to provide the best for our kids, but it's like, we are providing that. But aren't we led of the Lord? Isn't Christ living within us? Then He can lead us and guide us. And he will tell us what to do as far as leading our children. And so, you know, a lot of it is just coming against that attack in our mind as well. And just knowing that God is opening up doors for our entire family. And it's exciting. And and I believe that, especially if you're introverted, there's a thing, there's such a magnetic power about children and children and the doors that'll open and the households that'll open because of their connectivity and so the challenge would be is to open up your home and to be welcoming to them when you don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Just to say, you know what? Hey, why don't you come over? And I will tell you this. I saw the Lord work the greatest miracle for, for, and I mean by four, F-O-U-R, mission, missionary units in a nation, all because of the power of a birthday party and a cake from America. And mm. it was because we were in a country in West Africa and there was a connection made because the missionary spoke to a person and said, Hey, how are you guys doing? And he said, fine, we're here because it's my son's birthday. And he said, it's your son's birthday. Have you ever had an American birthday cake before? And he came over and there was a connection that was made between the two adults that later on got four families that are mission families out of the nation in a crisis because they open up their home to a birthday party. Mm. And so there is just no telling what the Lord is going to do through your children and through all of our children. And so we have to just, you know, like Samuel was given to the Lord, we have to to give our children to the Lord fully for his plan. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Something that I'm going to have to keep in mind, I'm sure many times over the years, but such an encouragement. Yeah. So is there anything more that we need to say about MK Ministries before we move on to talk about the work that you're doing now? Wow, I don't think so. I just think, you know, being just let the team know what needs you're having and just be very open because if they don't have the answer for you and they will definitely help you pray about it and they will get resources to you. So it's just such a it's such a wide net and it broadens you. And the other thing I will say this, as a missionary, do not ever be afraid to uh, say no for the sake of your children or to, if you're feeling a check in your spirit, and this is for anybody, 
There is no, your child does not have to go to every birthday party. Your child does not have to go to every classroom setting. Your child does not have to go to, just because someone invites does not mean you have to say yes. If you're feeling a check in the Holy Ghost, you have to follow that because that's what the Lord is leading you to do. Mm. And I've had two missionaries that have told me, and they have said to me, they felt a check in the Holy Ghost about something with their children, and they felt very foolish about saying no. And um, I had spoken at a school missions class about something and they just were so thankful for that confirmation. So I just, I guess I want to say to any missionaries that are listening and really any any parent, just follow the leading of the Spirit. That that Spirit of God is alive in you and He will lead and guide you if you want Him to. So never feel bad about saying no to people. Yeah, You don't owe anybody anything. I mean, we owe the Lord everything, but other than that, we don't. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Especially when it comes to our kids. Whew. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you mentioned before that you had a health crisis that kind of tr- helped you transition away from this ministry that has been on your heart for so long. And now you are working with Compassion Services International. And I'd love to hear you yes. talk to me about that, what it is. Again, I think this is one of those things that a lot of people don't even realize um, that this exists. And so I'd love to hear you talk to us about it, how you got involved and what kind of work you're doing. Well, it's such an honor to be able to talk about it because like you said, to me, it's a hidden jewel of Pentecost. So Compassion Services International has been in existence for about 35 years, and it is the nonprofit that's associated with global missions. And so we seek to serve our missionaries in practical ways, and we help through medical missions, global disaster relief, education, and humanitarian aid. And so we like to think about it as far as our missionaries are doing, they endeavor their best to help bring the gospel, and we come alongside them with tools to open up doors to present the gospel to people. And so some countries that's helping them with providing soup kitchens, some countries that's bringing in medical missions teams, some countries that's helping with education, and some it's helping with a disaster, you know, national disaster in their area. And so those are the four wings. And really, my dad was involved in the board, and so I added it to I have a prayer book that I use every day, and I was praying daily, God, because he was telling me to add it to my prayers. He said, please just help us to pray for help. And, you know, when someone tells you to pray for help for something, just be careful what the Lord is doing. (laughs) You know, I was like, sure, Dad, I'll help you pray. But little did I know that, you know, the Lord would be calling me into that. And so... During the time of transition, I knew I was transitioning out of MK Ministries. The Lord had talked to my pastor about it, and then he had spoken to me that he was releasing me from what I was doing. Um, And also, I was at it because of the times, and I always taught the MK class. I never came in. And I was sitting there with the missionaries, and a guy got up and preached about, are you willing to leave your manna? for the land of milk and honey. And I started sobbing and everybody around me is like, what is her deal? You know, because no one else (laughs) is like really doing anything. You know, literally I'm sitting in the row behind Sister Howell and I was like, oh God, you know, like I I was like shaking in my seat. I was just so like moved to the spirit. And shortly after that, I had someone come up to me and say that, you know, had I considered being involved with CSI. And all of that was happening, like I said, during the time when I had the aneurysm, um, I was supposed to actually meet with them and I slept through my 
you know, my job interview, I really didn't sleep. I was in a coma, but um, (laughs) the Lord, when I woke up from that, I knew I had to follow after that. And so it's just been a a crazy process. Now my phone, when I type CS, it's finally putting in the eye (laughs) and it's transitioning as well. But just such an honor to be a part of, you know, the family of God and just serving the body of Christ in a greater sense. You know, a lot of the people that we help, we will never meet. And I think that's a challenge of it. It's like you're helping provide clean water for people, but yet you're never going to meet them. You're providing right now in the Philippines are working with that crisis because they just had, you know, that horrible typhoon there. And so we will never meet, but we will meet when we get to heaven. And mm-hmm. so it's it's just coming alongside them and just knowing that we're able to help with practical tools. One of the projects that we've helped with recently that's been really, really amazing is that there's a, a group of people in Western Africa that is an undercover nation. And we have been praying for 50 years for this people group to find out about God. And the Lord um, really brought them and they parked a lot of the refugees outside of one of our Bible schools. And they have been coming in and learning how to read and write using the Bible as their textbook. And Hmm. so that has been just such a neat thing to be a part of. And they're not only learning how to read and write with the Bible, so they're learning about the Bible. And then we, if they come to classes regularly, we provide for the material and we provide for them soap and we provide rice. Every week is something different. So just being a part of that. And that's just one area of the world. So just being a part of that, you're just looking at those faces and just taking their family and changing the dynamic for the future because they're going from being illiterate to a literal family. So yeah, I think it's a way for everybody to be involved in missions. And so I've heard, you know, been on AIM myself and being in missions, my parents being missionaries. I just thought everybody is wanting to be a missionary aimer, but I heard someone say, I guess the cool thing about CSI is that you can still do your regular unleaded job, but help around the world. Mm. And I never thought about it that way that you can sit in Boise, Idaho and really change the world because you're putting your passion behind your money, your finances, and then also you know, going on a trip. Right now, we're not doing a whole lot of trips, but <laughs> normally we would be doing trips to help. So... Anyway, it's, I mean, it's overwhelming when you think of it, but I look, I continuously go to Joshua 1 and I look at the calling of Joshua as Moses is getting ready to transition out. And I'm like, God, if you helped Joshua and if you gave him some strength, you can give me wisdom as well. Yeah. But we have an amazing board. It's a board run ministry. And so it's a board run nonprofit. We have a great uh, board of trustees. Our president is Harold Linder. And then Carl Morgan serves as the chief financial officer. Um, and then we have a board of directors. And so the directors carry out the task that the board of trustees present. And um, we're just there to serve our missionaries. So it's an amazing thing. And we have, so as far as getting involved in it, our website is CompassionServices.org. But we have responders and then we have insiders and a responder is involved with CSI by actually going out of the nation and meeting the need. But an insider is one that brings exposure to North America about Mm. the need. And so really anybody can be involved. So that's what I'm doing. It's just, I just... I'd tell myself at the end of the day, stop working. We're done for today (laughs) and we will pick this up tomorrow. So 
there's always something going on. Yeah, I, I love God is just his ways are just so much higher than our ways. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about how, you know, you hear about disasters and, and things happening around the world and how traumatic and horrible that they sound. And yet in these situations, God is moving people groups into position to be able to to have access to the gospel that they wouldn't have had in their home country. Right. And, and like you said, it's just one little story, but just thinking about how there are just so many creative ways that that God wants to use the church to yes. reach the lost. And yes. we have to be able to think outside of our boxes. And so it's so encouraging to hear that there are already people doing that. And that if someone listening, maybe you've had a heart for missions, but it just does it hasn't seemed like it made sense or you haven't felt God calling you specifically to be a missionary. There are so many ways to be involved and so yes, many ways exactly. to to still reach people. I think about all of the refugees and the different nationalities of people that come into the U.S. every year and the opportunities that we have there for reaching people with the gospel. You know, God, God sometimes brings missions right into our own backyard. And right. we just have to have our eyes open to be able to to realize what he's doing and be willing to do what we can wherever we are. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, I work a lot with next steps and global connections. And this is um, really like the NAYC for people that are wanting to be involved in missions. And I think the most common thing that young people ask is how can I get involved in missions? While what can I do to get involved in missions while I'm in North America? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, are you teaching a Bible study? Are you supporting missionaries? Are you supporting missions in your home church? And they're like, what? No, I'll do that when I get overseas. It's like, Mm. no, you're not. So start teaching a Bible study where you are. Get plugged in where you are. Go to restaurants that don't serve hamburgers and French fries. Go Mm. somewhere else outside of just your culture group and start to get to know people and start teaching Bible studies because that is what it's about. It's about introducing Christ to another person that is not of your culture. And if you can practice living that in North America, you can do that overseas. It's just a change of location. It's not a change of a lifestyle. It's just a change of location. But, Mm. you know, the Lord challenges a lot of times us to start doing that while we're in our own culture. And He gives us a head start, but we have to be open to that. So... I guess that's what I, my biggest thing is, is like how plugged are, and you might be uncomfortable, but you still get to go home to your bed and you're comfortable <laughs> in your yeah. house in America. No, but Where it's most like everybody speaks your language. <laughs> right, right. So it's like, yeah, you might be uncomfortable for a little bit, but you can still go back to your area that you know. So just immerse yourself. The, the world is so much bigger than just going to Target and coming back and going on Instagram. And those are all fine, but like, Life is short, so just get involved. Like, quit doing the same things over and over and expecting different results mm. because that's just the definition of frustration. So yes. I think I think we can all make a difference for someone else. Like this, so we just had a big, big, and I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about CSI, but we just had a big Christmas catalog and it was like giving gifts that change somebody's tomorrow around the world. So you can get a goat for $50, right? Mm. That provides... $50 is a nothing gift now for people. I mean, it get, it, unfortunately, inflation is going up and everything. <laughs> so you give them a $50 and they're like, where's the other part to it? But that's a goat for a family. So if you buy two goats, you're providing 
immediate resources for a family. Usually we try to give them to those in leadership. So pastoral family that's living in another country, that means they have milk. They have a herd of goats that they can reproduce. They will have meat for their family. And you're living and making someone's lifestyle better. For $20, you can buy a gaggle of chickens for people and they can have immediate protein. Mm. So those are the things that you can do to change someone's lifestyle and give as a gift. You know, we'll do it again next year for Christmas as well. But, you know, it's giving the gift of education, giving the gift of a meal to a prisoner in Togo, giving the gift of a Bible to someone in Togo. So you're changing someone's tomorrow by really not having too much of a bump or a change in your world today. Mm. And I think that's what it's about. It's just about being the hands and feet of Christ to the church around the world. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm yeah. so, it's, it's really, really amazing. I love it. Well, we talked a little bit about with, with MK Ministries, and I don't know if you want to touch on it at all with CSI, but social media and the internet has impacted everything. How has it changed the work that you've done in either of those avenues. Wow. So social media to me has been a friend to CSI because of the fact that it's more accessible to the body of Christ. I think before, you know, back in the olden days, it was like, if your pastor talked about A, B, C, or D, you knew about it. Mm. And if he had a full agenda for that Sunday and was really wanting to get to that, you didn't hear about it. And so I think it makes everybody is kind of sitting at the same table, so to speak. And so everybody has access to more information. But in the same token, it's hard because it's like taking a drink out of a fire hose, Mm -hmm. right? It's very messy and you got to get the right sip. And so I think a lot of our job is based around social media, but people that don't work with social media a lot, they don't realize that just because you post something doesn't mean everybody's seeing it. Mm -hmm. And it's all about algorithms and about, you know, paying to be boosted and all this. So Social media is wonderful, but it can be extremely frustrating as well. And that's why I really recommend if you're trying to do anything for missions or start up a ministry is to get people's emails. You always own an email address. You do not always own your audience on social media. Hmm. Um, and to really reach out to people via email addresses. And and then people say, well, no one checks email. But yeah, people that really have their life together do. And that's who you <laughs> want to connect with you anyway. So yeah. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, the 15-year-old that's like living on slushies, they might not, but they're okay because they might not be your number one supporter right now. In the future, they will. But So I think that's the biggest thing I try to tell people is just develop that following yourself. You know, if you're a missionary and deputation, what are you providing tools to other people to grow themselves so that they're going to remember you when they think about growing themselves? Mm. I don't know if that even makes sense, but like a prayer guide. So a prayer guide to pray for your nation, but that's really investing in them to be a better person of prayer. And Mm. so when they think of, hey, I need to learn more about prayer, they're going to reach out to you because you offered them a prayer guide to help pray for your nation. So like providing free tools to people that they think of you as a person to go to for those tools. And that really makes that connection and praying for God connections. I don't know. I think deputation is just such a challenge in itself for people, but um, I think it's an opportunity to really just get out there to meet the body of Christ. And so that's always exciting, exciting to me. But yeah, social media, I don't want to get off on this, but social media is definitely impacting. Now we did last year also have a lot of Zoom calls for insiders. And Mm. I think 
there's a certain age group that is enamored by it. And then there's a certain age group that just looks at it and they just want to vomit. If they hear they have to go to another Zoom call. <laughs> so that's that's kind of like in the beginning, everybody wanted it because they were tired of looking at their dog and, and not anybody else. But mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, I got to get another Zoom call. Yeah. So I keep seeing articles um, about Zoom fatigue. Yes. Yes. That's exactly, I think, what's happened. That's so, anyway. so interesting. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like pros and cons, I guess. Yeah. Like everything, it's a tool with benefits and also challenges and also negative things as well. So, yeah, Jenna, I think it's Jenna Kutcher is her name, the gold digger. And when I say that, I mean gold, G-O-A-L, not gold digger. Yes. But she's got some incredible uh, resources for social media. And she really, to me, helped me a lot when I was trying to mentally go into it afresh from CSI. And um I like her podcast. I like her at a business level. I'm not talking about anything with her spiritual. I don't know what her spiritual life is like, but I'm just saying it's purely business. I think she's got a good grasp on social media. Yes, I've I've followed some of her stuff in yeah. the past and she, she has really good tips. Well, one of the questions that we're asking everybody this season um, related to missions is, is there something that you've learned either about yourself, about the church or about God through working in missions and on the field? that you might not have learned had you only stayed in North America? Wow. So I just can't imagine always being in North America because as a child, I was basically overseas. That's my my memories. I think here's the difference. I think in America, a lot of times we read the Word of God. And I think when you're living overseas, you walk the Word of God. And, And I say that because, you know, the miracles in the Bible are the miracles that I would see at church, the miracles that you read about or that you think are just, ah, you know, that's what the Lord allowed me to see because of the faith of the people and because of the timing of the church that I was in. He was trying to open up doors. I've seen things in countries that was just absolutely phenomenal because the Lord is opening up doors to like start a new work. And so I think I would not have seen that if I was in just a little a home missions church in North America, but it was because again, the timing and where I was at that season, it was, the Lord was doing it to open up the eyes of the people around him. Um, so I'm very, I'm very blessed in that. I will say this, I was very, my husband is this way as well, but we were very diligent about making sure our daughters got to be overseas as much as possible because I wanted exposure breeds just that desire for more. And mm. so I wanted that in my girls. I don't want them to just feel like the world revolved around them or that it was just the North American church. I wanted them to be wanting more from God, wanting more from life. And so I think that's one of the things I've tried to constantly put into the girls is, you know, you've got, you've got to know it's not about you. It's not about just the North American church. It's a global church. So um, and I think the power of prayer and the specific power of prayer. I've seen people, I remember my dad speaking one time in a service, and I think I might have mentioned this at the Oklahoma ladies thing, but that he was mentioning, God can do anything. And that one, while he was speaking, this lady raised her hand. She said, okay, I'll take a baby. And another lady on the other side of her said, I'll take one too. Like we're at McDonald's <laughs> or something, you know? But that is exactly what the Lord did. I mean, they, my dad went back and he had a double baby dedication. You know, it was like <laughs> that is, so that's the kind of faith that the Lord responds to. So I just, 
I'm just so grateful to God that he's allowed me to see things like that. And I just, there's absolutely nothing too hard for God. And so I think that's what I've learned about the church. As far as about myself, I basically, before I had all of this happen to me physically, I just... I really wasn't really afraid of anything. I was probably, I'm married to an engineer. He's very logical. I would just go anywhere and do anything. And so I didn't think about it. I mean, you want me to go? Yes, I will go. And so I think that I'm very spontaneous. I'm an orange. Um, I'm an orange, gold, (laughs) blue, which if you know colors, it's kind of a crazy combination. So I think I've learned about myself over the past three years that the Lord is slowing me down to get my attention and to really focus and to do things right. Mm. So I'm trying to do that. And that's, I guess that was the answer to all of those questions about myself, about my <laughs> yeah. church, about yeah. the field. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I sound, I feel very old saying those things. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I sound old. <laughs> no, no. Experience. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. I have a great hair to show it. So anyway, very funny. Uh, well, we are like really close to being out of time, which is unfortunate because there's so many more things we could talk about. We haven't even been able to scratch the surface of talking about your miraculous healing. And so I'm going to just invite you now to come back uh, in a future season of the podcast and talk about that because it's just an amazing story. And I would love to be able to talk to you talk to you about that, but it would be a whole other hour, I'm sure, <laughs> of yes. the podcast. But as we wrap up talking about these things, missions focused, the last question of our show is always the same. We ask every guest on the show, because we are called Good Question, we want to know what is a good question that you're asking yourself lately? Wow. So I, the question that I've been asking myself daily is what is the Lord asking me to do today? Mm. And so I actually, in my prayer journal, have a section. It's just a note. When I say prayer journal, don't think of anything dynamic. It's like a notebook. But like (laughs) in the top right side, I just, what is the Lord challenging me to do today? And then going back and like, what is the results about that? Because I think that if you ask the Lord to order each step, it's just amazing the outcome of it. And and just this, you're inviting the supernatural into that day. So that's what I've been trying to be diligent about doing I guess. And there's a lot of silly things I've been asking myself too. Like, I'm not going to talk about that. That's <laughs> that's my serious question. There you go. So. Well, it's a, it's a good one. Thank you so much for letting me be on here. And what an honor. And just, I feel like the Lord brought us together. So I'm so thankful for that. Well, I feel the same way. I'm so, so pleased that we got to chat. I know that many things that you said today are going to resonate with people that they've already been a blessing to me. So I'm, I'm confident they're going to be a blessing to our listeners. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome. I don't know about you, but I am so encouraged and so excited at the end of this episode. The things that Celinda shared about missionary kids and the call that God gives to families. Let me tell you, that has been such an encouragement to me from the first time I heard her say it to this time. I hope that it spoke to you as well. If you are interested in getting involved with Missionary Kids or with CSI, we'll have all the links in the show notes for you to go and find out more information about how you can do that. We hope that you will come and talk to us about what you heard today on social media. As promised at the beginning of the episode, here are our social media handles. We are on Instagram at Good Question Show. I'm at Jessica Tanderup. That's Jessica T, as in Tuesday, A-N-D-E-R-U-P. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Good Question with Jessica Tandra Podcast. And our email address is goodquestionshow at gmail.com. You can find Celinda and CSI on Instagram as well. And if you want to follow along with Team Tandrup on our mission to Denmark, you can find us on Instagram at Tandrups for Denmark. That's Tandrups with an S, the number four, Denmark, and on Facebook with a page of the same name. This podcast is a production of Good Question Media. It's produced and hosted by me, Jessica Tandrup, my co-producer, editor, and the man who... I need to sit down with and talk about all of the tips that Celinda gave for taking kids to the mission field is my husband, Dave Tanderup. Our audio engineer is Josh Powalczyk. That's all for this week. We will be back here next Tuesday with another good question. See y'all then.